Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the JMU Sports News Podcast. Before we get underway today, we just want to let you guys know that our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head to the website, use your mobile device, whichever one you prefer, and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's promo code B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And Jack, it's been a while. It's been a long time. I think it's been over a month since the last time we had a podcast. And not a lot's happened. Normally, we can talk softball and baseball, and I don't want to poo-poo their seasons, but they're not doing good. Um, And we had been podcasting, I think, nearly every week since the start of COVID. So I think it was a a worthy one-month break there. Yeah, it made sense, right? There's stuff going on in our lives. You got Easter, all these types of things yeah, that, are, sure. that are happening. Some vacations. I know you're always having a good time. Big foodie and, and beverage man yourself. <laughs> what? Oh, all right. <laughs> King of the town. I did go to uh, Asheville last week. Yeah, so. exactly. That's so I, I guess it makes sense. But So, uh, yeah, I had done a few episodes back. I had done sort of the dreary doomsday, the spring's sad and nobody's good and everything's sad. <laughs> So I think to have a month of me not talking about it has sort of brightened my spirits a little bit. I also think this podcast, I'm really excited for this one because I think the break made people, not saying they wanted to hear our voice, but normally I think they we, did. Normally when we, we put out a thing on Twitter where we're like, any questions, please ask us, we get crickets. And this time we got nine responses and I think in total like 11 questions. So I'm really excited for where this podcast is going to take us. I think there's actual information we can dive into. The spring game's coming up. Apparently, there's a three-way quarterback battle, which is a load of poo-poo, um, if you ask me, because um, it's only one person. But there's just a lot. Like, it feels good to have an actual podcast. I feel like we haven't had like a true, yeah, good podcast since like the UVA win. Because as much as it sucked for the athletes, I mean, it sucked for us too to, to try and do a podcast when it literally just doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> people didn't talk enough about how the ca's decision impacted the podcasters yeah exactly we should ask the sports blog guys we should ask yeah. the Rocktown sports pod at the dnr how did the caa's decision impact you screw the athletes how did it impact you as a podcaster <laughs> and it did impact us uh, <laughs> you know it's we had to take a month off due to you know just recover mentally and physically so obviously and also softball and baseball combining for like six wins they're not that bad we'll get into that at the end i think we'll start we'll start football because the spring game is basically in two days and it's like the spring game which is putting that in quotes because it's like two 15 minute periods and then some scrimmaging stuff it's not really a game um it's what like is a this? what it's not the spring game anymore is certainly doing the weird spring game stuff i think it's, it's better than like what withers did i remember like my freshman year withers had like they did drills on like the opposite side of the stadium where you like couldn't even get in as a student you had like the the short stands is where you would go. And they were just doing like random drills. And there was like nine people and it was raining. And I left after like five minutes. I was like, why did I walk to this? But anyway, so at least they do some sort of thing. I'm a little bummed. I don't believe they're streaming it, which feels like a miss. Does it? Were you going to tune into the spring game? I would have watched the replay. I wouldn't have watched it live. Yeah, but like if they had probably an, have the replay. I don't think they're filming it, though. I mean, you'll get the highlights. You think they're doing any video? I bet it's. I like think a, they have the creative team there. I think they'll have a hype video afterwards. 
But that's not the, <laughs> doesn't tell me anything. I want to watch like the actual plays. I feel like they oh, can do uh, it. the TJ will probably um maybe there will be something record yeah. and WHSV will have a highlight reel that's right, actually right, like. Right. But come on, you really? Want I just want the watch. above ground. You want the all twenty two. You want the all twenty two. Yeah, like, I want. Does. I just didn't want to watch it like a normal broadcast. But anyway, so I feel like a little disappointed. But anyway, they got the spring game. It's going to be good weather in Harrisburg on Saturday for people who do go. So I think that's somewhat interesting. But where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the quarterback battle? Do we want to start with the Dukes being snubbed in the FPI? I think we start with the FBI. I mean, I did make an outline, and that is where I started. Yeah, okay. So I think that is the most important thing. Dukes check in at 120 in ESPN's 2022 Football Power Index. For what it's worth in Bill Conley's like SB, SP plus P as in Peter, they checked yeah. in at like 90. Yeah. Uh, and according to Jamie football fans and coach who's on Twitter who does a lot of analytics stuff, uh, the SP plus is more reliable than the Football Power Index, especially considering – Football Power Index is an algorithm, and JMU has quite literally zero data at the FBS level outside of, what, a game two seasons, three years ago? A loss against? It's it's weird because it's like <laughs> a lot of them, and SP Plus does this too because everyone always gets mad at Bill Conley. It's like it's Bill Conley's formula. It's not Bill Conley. But he, doesn't he add in sucks. a little bit of information? He how, tweets, it's, it's all formula-based for him. I think okay. he – I think he like can change the formula and like maybe tracks it in a way that makes Got way it. more sense and explains it. Got whereas it. they just shove out the FBI and they're yeah. like, these are the powerful teams of football. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. Um, but like they don't have returning production at the FBS level other than like, unless you're counting Santeo, but I don't know how that works in the formula. So it makes sense that a new yeah. team coming up would have a crappy preseason rating and projects them to go like three and eight or something. I think that's probably low. Like 120 is probably too low for where JMU is, but it's also not actually worth getting upset about. Um, I was upset before because a few days before when they actually released the FPI, they didn't include JMU. So they've since added them in (laughs) at 120. So at least they've now added them into the FPI, uh, which they were not initially in. But I don't think it's it's much of a big deal because they just don't have, have data. Like you beat Middle Tennessee, which I think is maybe in the 80s, week one and you're fine and you're you're like top 100 so yeah it's kind of like ken palm where you have like one good yeah. win and it'll jump you up 30 spots and if you have a, if you lose to norfolk state you'll then drop to last place in the fbs most likely so it'll vary especially where they are it's so dynamic it's so um volatile yeah it's it's super you know fluid as they like to say Ooh, fluid that was the word i was looking for thank you they um they also didn't have a sunbelt team in the top 50 so I think it's like the non-conference will kind of shake out a little bit and they'll probably pick up some nice wins and it'll change how it, how it's viewed. Yeah. Speaking of that, I don't know how to segue this into the QB battle. That's a tough segue. Um, we're just going to run into it. So that was the football power index. We're moving now into three-way, three-way? How is this a three-way quarterback battle? <laughs> I take it you're not sold on the three-way quarterback battle. I'm, I'm not. Like it's it's Centeo's job, is it not? I would think it is. <laughs> like I I get why you are like this is like I get why if you're Signetti, you're saying it's a three way quarterback battle, but this is much like in 2019 when they said it was a three way quarterback battle with Danucci and Cole, yeah. and then they like threw in Gage, right? And it just didn't feel like Gage really had a shot, and it seems like they're kind of doing it where they're like all right, Billy Atkins has been the backup for a year. Like he gets the chance. And then they're like, oh yeah, early enrollee is going to get some, uh, some runs with the ones. What? I think Alonzo Barnett's very good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and like, I'm excited about the future there. I would also be shocked if Todd Santeo isn't the starting quarterback for a reason other than like an injury, you know, yeah. like if he's, if he's healthy and they bring him in and he's produced at an FBS level for multiple years and he's like 22 or 23 or whatever he is. And you go with the 18 year old who's like a buck 90 and has never taken a college snap. I would be very surprised, kind of stoked too, if they think he's that good, but I don't know, like I listened to the interview and I was a breeze reporter. Grant Johnson actually asked a pretty good question where he was basically just saying like, you're talking a lot about like Barnett, is it like a three-way battle? And he was like, yeah, which is what Signetti should say for a lot of different reasons, right? For Barnett, it is like, oh crap, I'm, I'm maybe I'm in this mix. Like to have a good, 
you know, spraying good summer and prepare and, and treat it like I'm gunning for the starting job. For Centeo, you can't like coast through the rest of spring and going into the summer, like, because you still have to actually earn the job in the fall camp. Same goes for like Billy Atkins, where he's trying to, you know, battle and realizes that, hey, there's another guy battling too. So I think it makes sense to say it and it makes sense to not name your starter. I mean, if he, he could just wait until week one and not name a starter until they start the game, which JMU coaches have done before. Yeah. They tried to take it to the last second at times so that they can, you know, maybe throw off the week one scouting report for their opponent. So I don't, I don't read much into this at all. Cause it wasn't like, Oh, Santeo's really been struggling and Barnett's taken, taken over. It's just like, yeah, this guy's good too. So we have three guys who are competing and there are three like scholarship quarterbacks who should be competing for the job. You would think. That's a great point. Great point. Santeo is a six, one graduate student, senior, or graduate student playing in his sixth season at the college football level, 221, um, 221 pounds. So everything, like you said, I think Santeo is the, the go-to guy. I think it's, I don't know how to feel about it because like, I, I feel like this is a very like me thing. Santeo is the starter and it just seems like you have to ask those questions, but at the same time, like I want to know more about Santeo. I want to know more about, you know, the wide receiver battle. Now that Wells is out, who's going to step up as the one who's going to get primary targets. Like, I want to know how the defense is evolving. And like, I just feel like this is a, a non-starter almost. I mean, we could talk, we could talk coverage takes all day. I think in terms <laughs> of like what we're hearing from camp, some of it is tough because they've been without a bunch of guys. Like I think they were, I forget who said it. I think they were working with like eight receivers right now who are healthy or something. So kind of hard to separate there. Although I think Signetti has left open the possibility of still adding transfers over the summer at receiver, um, getting a little more depth there. They don't have a lot of size at receiver. If you look, they don't have much height. Yeah. That even Wells wasn't like a tall, tall guy. I think what he was six, two, something like that. Yeah. Where, so you could, where you had Stapleton who was like six, five yes. in past year. Like, yeah. I, I really wanted them to get the VMI guy, Jacob Harris, but you ended up going to Richmond. Ew. Yeah. So, but anyway, go ahead. Here's a question though. So essentially we've already written, we've, we've penned in Todd Centeo as the starter for week one against middle Tennessee. So that begs the question then who's the backup. Do you think Billy Atkins gets the, like, maybe this is more of you're getting reps with the ones to see how you play better for when Centeo potentially goes down. Not, I shouldn't say when, if <laughs> Centeo goes down with an injury, like who's more set to like take over as the one, do you think it's Billy Atkins? Who's been in the system for a year, backed up Cole played in, had 14 pass attempts, I think played in four or five games last season, mostly in mop up duty. Or do you think it's Barnett who seemingly has this potential to be the next starter at JMU? Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, on thank how the you. backup stands, but it's <laughs> it's a good question. I think like that's maybe the more interesting storyline is like I think both of those guys are really good, but JMU fans have done this before, Jack. Like very recently, I think Billy Atkins was the Bill, last. Case Billy Atkins was one of them. There's like if Cole Johnson has any struggles, it's like why why isn't Billy Atkins a starting quarterback? And then you have people who were like for years were telling me that Kyle Adams was going to be the next great JMU superstar. He's now like a walk on at Purdue. So I don't like, I'm not really, I'm not going to read much into these quarterback takes. I'm not want to talk given my Connor Mitch history, um, but like, and our gauge Maloney history, in our, fair, we, we well, were calling for gauge who then got the starting job, got COVID couldn't start. And now is a if he bad didn't get quarterback COVID, he at Bryant, yeah. but he's a bad quarterback at Bryant. All right. Well, <laughs> but I mean, it's just like, there's, there's a lot that's up in the air that we don't know. And there's like this love. If you're a JMU fan to be like, are you telling me that Alonzo Barnett is badly? And it's like, well, no, like we're saying that he's now in a three-way quarterback battle and still has potential to be like a backup right now. So like maybe he's a future stud, Yeah. but Jack, can you see a scenario where Santeo graduates, Billy Atkins and Barnett move up like a year, they have their experience and Signetti still brings in a transfer. I think that, Every year we talk about it, and we we were saying this every year with Cole Johnson. Is it Cole Johnson? Is it Gage Maloney? Or is it a transfer that will be brought in because Jamie has that history? Now, going up to the FBS level, that might change a little bit, right? Because 
you don't have that fringe FBS guy who wants to go down to the FCS and kind of tear things up, get the restart on his career and put up good numbers like Ben DiNucci did, like Vad Lee did. Um, even Brian Shore was a transfer from, I think, a JUCO. Um, so maybe you don't have that as prevalent and you do kind of have to create your own quarterback play, your own quarterback guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think every year when you're a low major team which is what jmu is even now that they are fbs they're a, a lower tier team yeah every year i'll expect transfers to come in and compete and i think that's the thing signetti's going to let them compete yeah that's that's kind of the takeaway right is he's just letting it be an open battle and i think too like the flip side is like malik willis started at auburn right and then went to liberty and became a stud like maybe they get some of these p5 guys still who go and say you know what let me go to a good g5 in jmu and try it there. So I still think the transfer is that's, I guess why I'm trying to sort of pump the brakes on this, like hype train for Billy Atkins and Alonzo Barnett. I think they're both really talented and yeah. could be special. It's also like JMU has a pretty clear recent history of adding transfers who are experienced rather than developing Cole Johnson kind of being an exception, but he also sort of just like fell into the role like he had to wait a very long time he was actually... a six-year senior who didn't yeah. get his first start until his fifth year and then was benched his fifth year yeah like so it's and if and if covid doesn't happen there's a very good like i'm not cole, mm -hmm. cole johnson had a fantastic sixth year he had a fantastic end to his fifth year and did amazing things for jamie as a quarterback but we can't fool ourselves if covid didn't happen in 2020 there's a strong possibility jamie would have brought in an fbs transfer yeah. It's also like the pressure kind of ramps up at the FBS level, right? Like there's higher expectations and it's like after this year, you're going to want to go to bowl games. You're going to want to really contend for the Sun Belt title and do all these things. And if you don't think like a sophomore quarterback is going to do it, you're going to bring in a transfer and like try to get someone who can yeah. do it. So I, I think that's really interesting, but I still, I still think it's kind of a smoke screen where he's just saying like, Hey, we want competition. I don't think it actually has changed anything. Like if Todd Santeo is not the starter, I would be very, very surprised. If Todd Santeo isn't the week one starter, I will do something insane. Quick break from all of those fantastic questions for a message from our friends over at Credit Karma. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Say you're going on a huge trip to Italy now that the world's opening back up after COVID and you need some more money. Use Credit Karma and they can get you a low interest personal loan that won't really break the bank. It can save you money while you pay off your purchase. Say you have a lot of credit card debt. Use Credit Karma to get all the money you need to pay off all those credit card debts. Say they're you know at an interest rate of 20 plus percent and Credit Karma can get you a personal loan for under 20%. Do that and you can save money. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and you can apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. So maybe if you just want to dabble a little bit, see what Credit Karma can offer you, that is free and it won't impact your credit scores. And in the end, you can end up saving money. So why not head on over to Credit Karma, check out what they can offer you and see if you can save some money. And if you're ready to apply, Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. That, that leads us to the question that we had, which I think might have been tongue-in-cheek from Chicago Duke One, who said, I'd like to definitively know who our starting QB will be. <laughs> no speculation, just straight facts. Well, we don't know, and we probably won't know until like August or early September when the first uh, We won't happens. know until the Too Deep is released at the O'Neill's press conference, which honestly, I think Houston did this one year. He put or yeah. for the quarterbacks. Yeah, so like you can you can kind of be – cheeky with it a little bit but i think um i still think it's on senteo i think you kind of feel the same way it's just a matter of letting them compete and probably a good sign that the youngsters are at least good enough to stay in a competition until the fall yeah i think it'll be a lot of fun um moving into randy w hunter one 
his question, what's a real realistic expectation for the upcoming football season? What's the goal now that a chance for a national championship is off the table? I'll pump the brakes on that. Cincinnati made the college football playoffs. I'm just saying um, what will be an acceptable win loss record going forward against Sunbelt competition. This is kind of three questions. So we'll go one by one. First, what's a realistic expectation for this season? I think it's to play football like that. I was literally going to say this thing, like to show up and play 11 football games. Like <laughs> I have no idea, man. They could go three and eight, eight and three, anything in between. I have no idea what the expectations are. I don't know. We don't know who the starting quarterback is. We don't know. Yes, we, who the, who, <laughs> we don't know who the receivers outside of Wells are going to be. I think they're going to run the ball. A we ton. don't know. Wells Sorry, outside, of, outside of Thornton. <laughs> outside of Wells. Outside of Thornton. See, that's the month off from the podcast. It'll get you rusty. Outside of Thornton. So, like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that still has to kind of be decided. I think they're going to run the ball a ton because they have a billion running backs and a good offensive line, it seems like. So, but my expectation is that they're going to play football games that are like more exciting than last year. And with no bowl game, I don't think you need expectations as a JMU football fan. Like enjoy yeah, this, enjoy the first year <laughs> there. There's quite literally zero expectations, at least from our point of view, because there's no bowl games. There's no postseason anything. You're not playing for a Sunbelt title. You're literally just playing football this season. So enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, I think like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's like, I'm very excited for the season. And I also don't care if they lose. Like in past seasons, I was like, oh, it sucks when they lose. Like, I'm not going to care this year. Now in two years when they lose, I'll be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, they're also playing all with complete a complete FCS roster, like against FBS opponent. Like there's so much to this move that like this first year, it's a wash. Just enjoy it. There's no expectations. Win against Norfolk State. I guess that's the expectation. Get at least one win. Maybe beat Texas State, Everett Withers, old stomping ground, and just a little bit of bragging rights, but that's more of a me thing. Um, I don't think there's any expectation. So what's the goal now that a chance for a national championship's off the table, which I don't think it's off the table, but that's also a little tongue-in-cheek by me. But what, what's the goal? Well, probably a fair point. If the G, if the um, the Sun Belt East is the best division in the Group of Five, and they do expand the playoff, which it seems like they might do, although it's kind of confusing might when not be until twenty thirty two, right? And how many they expand to? But I don't. If they do expand and they don't like completely break away the Power Five, that is, then there's a chance they would be a fringe like national title contender on the outside, um, which is kind of what Cincinnati did. So that would be be really fun and interesting. The goal, though, at the group of five level should always just be to win the conference, right? It's just the Sunbelt championship to me is like the goal. No, the goal is the Bahamas bowl. Every single year we <laughs> want to go down to the Bahamas, bring out our passports. We want to go to the Bahamas bowl. There you go. No, I, I think the goal is to compete for Sunbelt titles and get good bowl games. Like if you're not winning the Sunbelt title, like an app state or a coastal where you may have lost the head to head and you lost it by a game and you still get a fun bowl game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Just Good bowl games. That's that's the expectation. That's the, that's what I want. Put yourself in contention to win the Sun Belt, and good things will will tend to happen. And I think and, then the sorry, go ahead. Well, and you like you said, and the Sun Belt East is actually the best group of five yeah. league, and you go undefeated in the Sun Belt East, and you put together a solid and respectable non conference like Cincinnati did. Even when it's four teams, there is an outside shot you get to the college football playoffs. But that that's a lot of ifs. Yeah, I feel like a lot of things in college football, especially really change kind of rapidly year to year and every few years in terms of like what you can do and if it's possible to get to a certain level. And like even just JMU, like, you know, 10 years ago, they were kind of scuffling a little bit uh, at times at the FCS level. And then they got to a point where they were a consistent national title contender. And now they're moving into one of the best G5. Like, so it's it's hard to necessarily expect anything at this point because they've they've done a lot and made a lot of progress the last decade. So I don't know, I think just kind of wait and see and, and the goals will probably change year to year, but yeah. for now it's go in have fun in the first year and then eventually set yourself up to contend for, for some belt titles. And Randy W Hunter one's last question, what will be an acceptable win loss record going forward against Sunbelt competition? I take this question as outside of year one, like mm -hmm. what's the win loss record looking like? So you'd play 12 games outside of year one, typically. I think you're looking just, to me, it's like a winning record, right? So, I mean, if you're going seven and five, 
or better, that's probably a pretty good start, especially early on in the Sun Belt years. And that's a bowl game. And it's probably getting you a bowl from the Sun Belt. Yeah, especially that division. So I think that's a, a good goal. They're probably going to have challenging, I would think, Power Five non-conference matchups as one of the one of the um, non-conference games. Like they play UVA in 2023. So like I think they'll have those types of games that'll be really cool to win, but maybe toss up. So yeah, to me, it's just like a winning record. And and then I think over time, those expectations will change probably. I think my biggest expectation is like, and this isn't going to happen in year one, probably not even year two, maybe not even year three, but it's to keep pace with the app states and the coastals. Like as long as you have a similar win loss record as them and they, they maintain their spot at the top of the Sunbelt East, that's, that's the goal. Like whether they're losing three games, we, I would expect JMU to lose three to four, like keep pace with the top of the Sunbelt East, whatever that win loss record is, that's what it is. I think that's a really interesting way to look at it too. Cause if you can kind of keep pace with Appalachian state, I feel like it raises JMU's uh, football profile nationally because App state's pretty well respected at this point. So if you can hang in there and knock off some big squads and be competitive in the Sun Belt, Yeah. That's, that's a pretty huge step for the football program. Moving up, moving up, moving to the next question. Um, I'm actually looking to see if there's any more football questions. We have two more football questions. Yeah. Do you want to do, Oh, let's go. Signetti's contract. This is from CB Polk. Um, thoughts on extending Signetti's contract without seeing an FBS season first. Can I take this really quick? For yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna have you go first. I don't think. I think Jamie fans are overreacting to that. Like you needed him in place for recruiting. Like also contracts mean nothing. Look at Mike Houston signing a ten-year extension and then leaving after year two. Contract extensions mean almost nothing. It's more so just like a goodwill, at least in my opinion, a goodwill gesture. And it shows recruits that like we're committed to this coach. And if you come in this next year or two, he will be your coach for the next four to he'll be your coach for the rest of your JMU career in theory. I think it's more so just like a way to steady the ship as they're going through one of the most turbulent, not in a bad way, but in one of the most turbulent times in JMU sports history. And I think it, um, it makes sense timing wise. Cause like they might literally go four and seven next year. And I don't think that's like a Signetti like indictment of Signetti. So then you're not extending him after a four and seven season from an op like optics wise. And then he going weird. into the last year of his contract, I think if I'm not mistaken, like I forget exactly how many years he had, I probably should have looked with the Signetti contract question, but like, yeah, like extending him for a few years made sense. He's 33 and five. Like yeah. I, have, I have no issue with him being extended given that record and what he's doing. You don't need to see an FBS season because like he's going to get probably like three seasons in the FBS, no matter what, like even if they're disastrous, he's getting like at least two. So I think that from that point, it makes sense. It helps with recruiting, all that stuff. I also think it gives him a pay bump, which makes sense because you're trying to be competitive within the, the Sun Belt, which obviously pays their coaches more than the Colonial Athletic Association did. Yes. And last football question from Troy Owens underscore football stadium expansion, period. How do you think that'll go about and when? I don't think you should be expecting football stadium expansion in the next five years. We've talked about it. I think you had a good point recently that was like, like, why don't you sell out the 25,000 consistently? And then if you decide you need 40,000 and in terms of like how it'll go, it would just be building up the, the it'd be shorter re, it'd side be renovating Godwin yeah. completely adding in that and just making it a bowl and then keeping uh, the Anderson Plecker center the same. So it would just raise it up. But yeah, I mean, they have one sellout a year and it's homecoming. You don't like go win some Sunbelt games. And if you're consistently packing the 25,000, it seems like season ticket sales are getting pretty excited this year with the FBS move then you decide you need 40,000 do it, but you don't like, don't just build to build because a 25,000 that is like packed and is like has people really wanting to get in is better than like 40,000. If you've got like 10,000 empty seats. And I also think I'm not, I don't have the numbers in front of me. 25,000 is one of the larger Sunbelt stadiums. I think it's pretty competitive. Yeah. So there's no need to go 40,000. There's no need to add that second side. Yeah, I think they're they're probably fine right now. I think this might be a little controversial and a little rude to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think JMU fans just want the larger stadium as like 
like a confidence thing, like feeling like they're the little brother to Virginia Tech and UVA. And JMU fans are like, well, we need to compete with Lane Stadium. No, we don't. <laughs> it's yeah, like at this point, just I think take baby steps in certain areas. And yeah, the 25,000 is reasonably competitive. It's kind of toward toward the lower end, but there's not a huge like difference. Like Appalachia State, it looks like it's 30,000. The highest, I think Louisiana goes to 41. Um, but no one else goes over 31. So it's like at 25, you're right within the Sun Belt. If you go to 40, you'd be like way the top of the, the Sun Belt. So maybe just just wait on it because I don't think it's it's necessary right now. Yeah. Sell it out consistently and then we'll talk. Yeah. Um, okay. JMU Tripster. Will the move to the Sun Belt help recruiting for baseball and softball? Baseball will need a boost to keep up with some of the high powered SBC teams, in my view. I think we're discounting what the CAA baseball is like CAA baseball is not a terrible conference. It's bad this year, Oh, it is. but it's, okay. it's not or worse <laughs> this year, but it has been respectable ish in the past, but I, the Sunbelt is definitely better. Yeah. Yeah. In, but in both. Yeah. But okay. it goes both ways. It's like, I think it probably boosts recruiting because they have a better chance of making the NCAA tournament. But at the same time, if you're like the eighth best team in the conference, <laughs> does that make somebody want to play for you instead of like if you're if the conference is sending teams to the tournament but you're not the team going to the tournament i don't know that that necessarily helps recruiting drastically so like softball i think it'll help yeah baseball's a kind of like an inflection point which we can talk about now or later depending on let's move into it right now okay <laughs> <laughs> so the, i mean the question and i'm kind of shocked this has not gotten more play from yes, literally anyone. we've been talking about this I've not to boost my own horn or anything, but I've been, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't boost my own horn toot my own horn on calling for a person to get fired. Um, but I feel like I've been on this. Eikenberry is a good train for a really long time. You know who else has been on that train for a really long time? Who? Jeff Bourne. The man gives him like a one-year extension, like show me what you got every year. And at a certain point you either need to like commit to him for multiple years or you need to move on. He keeps giving him these like one year COVID years, which I think is basically what it is, where it's like, oh, COVID made last year weird. But he he did it last year too, where he gives him a one year extension that takes him through June of 2022 now. And his, his quote was basically, we look forward to significant improvement in on-field success next year. They're 20 and 17 right now. Barring a miracle, they're not making the NCAA tournament. Now they would have been, they would have been, a legitimate contender to win the CA tournament. So they, they're getting a little screwed there. I'll give them that. But they're like, he has not been bad any year. Like Marlon Eikenberry has not had JMU be a bad team. But they haven't they're been just, good. They're just really, really average. And the thing that like, so he had coached VMI previously and they were really, really bad when he took over. And they won, they had six winning seasons during his tenure there, which is like the same that they had in, in 40 plus years or whatever before he had gotten there. I think he was there for about 10 years, 11 years, something like that. So decent, right? He improved. And then Jamie has been average. He's been a head coach, you know, pretty much every year he had one year off, but pretty much every year since 2004, he's never taken a team to the NCAA tournament or a regional. He's been a coach for almost head coach for almost two decades. And he's never taken a team to a regional. He's three and 15 in conference tournaments as a head coach. So like, there are a lot of reasons to not bring him back. I think there are probably some, like they're improving a little bit. The Sunbelt could be a recruiting boost. They play good offense. They're not terrible. But if you like, if you really want to commit to like, you know, baseball in the Sunbelt and being a really competitive baseball team in an area that cares about baseball, the guy that you're like stringing along with one-year deals, hoping there's going to be some change when there constantly isn't, does not seem like the plan. I'm just going to read you off his records since taking over. He was named head coach in the summer of 2015. So 2016 was his first year, 24 and 31, 24 and 27, 28, 26 and 26, 31 and 26, 10 and six in the COVID shortened season, 11 and 17 last year, which was also a shortened season due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And now this season. So yeah, like, they're aggressively average. That is one of I, <laughs> that is one of the most aggressively average teams. And Jimmy Jackson's been doing a phenomenal job with the pitchers. They've put in 
three to five arms into the major, not into the majors, but into minor league organizations where they've done well. Big country, Nick Robertson, Robeson, um, don't have his Nick Robertson. Yeah. Was a fantastic closer. Could was, was trending towards hitting triple digits on the radar gun, sent him to the Dodgers organization. You had, um, Nick Stewart is in the Orioles organization. I'm missing a few others. Colton Harlow back in like 2015. Um, I think that was actually before the Eikenberry tenure. Maybe he had one he year was... under Harlow, under Eikenberry, but he was in the Rockies organization. There's another pitcher in the Orioles organization. And then this year you have Chase DeLauder, which I know is out for a few weeks due to a broken foot. But then you also have Trey Dabney, who was like CAA all rookie team and one of the leaders for rookie of the year in the CAA when his first season came around. And like you have the talent and you're just not producing wins. It feels it, almost like basketball, huh? They can never like put it together at the same times, like, like ever. And I think that's, what's, what's frustrating. Like they lead the CAA in home runs this year. They're second in batting average, like their lineup sweet, but they're seventh out of nine teams in ERA. And like in years past, like you were saying, they've had like the arms and the bats can't do anything. Sheldon Perkins. Sorry. He's yeah. the other pitcher that's in that. And he's, he's had a solid time at the, the Orioles organization. Go ahead. So sorry it, about it's that. like, they've had like something works, but not, they never like piece it all together at the same time. And I don't know, like Chase DeLauder is like a pretty good MLB prospect who's playing really well. I know he's missed some games with like weird injuries and stuff. But at the same time, like you're 20 and 17 with like one of the best players you've ever had. I don't know. Like, why would playing harder teams help them? Like, there's this idea that like when you join the Sun Belt, you get better because you're playing better competitions. Like, or they might just get thrashed. I think if there's ever a time to hit the reset button on this team, it's at the conclusion of this season. Let Eikenberry go hit the refresh button. If players transfer, they transfer. You're already losing Delauder to the draft. Like this is the time to hit the hard reset and then go into the Sun Belt with a fresh slate and see where you can go from there. Also worth mentioning that these players go to like the Valley Baseball League and Cape Cod League and perform well. Like Reef Snyder went for the went to the Turks in Harrisonburg and like had a fantastic summer if I'm not mistaken. And the Valley Baseball League, while it's not the premier summer league, they're getting a lot of young, potential great players coming through there. Same with the Cape. I mean, the Cape Cod League is the premier summer baseball league. And they they produce. And then they come to JMU, and they don't. It's it's just a little frustrating. Like, this year, they're not even bad. Like, so if, if I can – I mean, if, if Bourne wants to keep Eikenberry, like – they played the best team in the country and in, in my opinion is Tennessee. I think they're like the top of most metrics and they took them to extra innings on the road in early March and almost won that game. They, they lost the next one kind of handily, but they almost won that game. They had a chance to win it. They beat a Virginia tech team. That's like in the top 10 right now with a really good performance. They almost beat Maryland probably should have beat Maryland, which is a top 25 team very recently. They've won. I think they played four CA series. They've won three of four. Here's the thing is they, I think those three that they won, they won the first two in each, couldn't complete the sweep, and the one series they lost, they got swept. So it's like, it's little things like that where it's like, God, just a game here, a game there, and you're a completely different RPI, you're a completely different team, and it's been the same way for year after year after year. So if you're born and you say, you know what, I see enough that I think Eikenberry is the guy, then extend it for like three years and just commit to it, give him three years in the Sun Belt with recruiting, all that, see what happens. If you don't, which is kind of, my understanding given the tiny little baby extensions he's giving him then yeah after this year they're not going to make the ncaa tournament unless they like went out just find someone who you think can make this team competitive in the sun belt because baseball is one that matters to the sun belt it matters matters to the the valley valley. just be get better at baseball it's not that hard (laughs) it's like and what you were saying about the uh they were one game away from completing the sweep they lost game one against Quinnipiac and then they lost, they were swept against Moorhead state, Moorhead state yeah. 16 and 19 Quinnipiac is not a good school. They lost game one at Winthrop and then proceeded to have to go to extras to beat Winthrop. Like they need to go to extras to beat Longwood. Yet you're telling me you could take Tennessee to extras. 
so, and nearly beat them? <laughs> some of it's college baseball is like, like weird and like yeah. the record's never going to be like amazing. And it, but and it I, depends on who's starting for the tennis, like who sure. started on a Tuesday game for Tennessee. Probably but not their ace. But it's also like at some point, if you've had six years and your team never reaches its full potential, then yeah, you get to really nitpick these games in, you know, whatever year it is now for him. So, I mean, I think he's a nice guy. I think he's a yeah. decent coach. It's just a matter of like, if you really want to contend in the Sun Belt and you really want to build up all of your different athletic programs, like go do it and like hire someone you think could do it. If it's Eikenberry, you got to stop with the one year extension nonsense and give him multiple years. And if it's not, then yeah, like let's just figure it out and, and go grab somebody if you're born. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I mean, nothing against Eikenberry. Great guy. Jimmy Jackson, fantastic pitching coach. All like the coaching staff is good. These aren't great. And I don't know if they're the ones to take them into the Sun Belt. Also, just one more time before we get off this topic. What was his conference record again? This year or every year? Every year combined. Three and 15? Who is this? Ike? Sorry, not conference record. Conference tournament. Record. Oh, conference tournament. Yes, conference tournament, three and 15. And then the CAA, he's 48 and 63 going into this year where they're six and six. So he's 15 games below 500 in that. Then historically at VMI and JMU, he's three and 15 in conference tournament games. So it's like not an indictment of success. I don't think you've seen enough to like actually think he's the guy. But if you have, like, again, if you have, you have call into the podcast right now, let (laughs) us know what you've seen. But also just like then, like, trust him. Like, if you think that he has it and you still believe in him, if you're born, like, just then give him like three years. Yeah. Also at G underscore lamb fourth. This was his question talking. What are your thoughts on the job that coach Eikenberry has done? He did add in. And in my opinion, pitching still needs to increase talent and consistency, but seems like a solid core of young position players. That's just this season. They've typically had one of the best bullpens and one of the best starting rotations in the CA. Like they've put a lot of arms into the majors. Like pitching was very talented. Jimmy Jackson's done a great job with the pitching staff. They're just younger now. Show Walters, all right. Changes every year, right? Where it's like, oh, the hitting's good or the pitching's good, but they haven't really pieced them together and found ways to to win games. And I think that's kind of how you get judged fairly or unfairly is just like the the wins and the losses. So I also think going into the Sun Belt, pretty good facilities, athletic department that spends a bunch and cares about sports would not be that hard to recruit a baseball coach if that's the decision Jeff Borden decides to make. And yeah, they're, they've the one they, yeah, they, they host the CAA tournament every year because they have the best facility. If you just, and going into the Sunbelt, they probably still have one of the best facilities because the Valley league has their all-star game there. Like there's so, also, it's because Harrisonburg's the central point for the Valley baseball league, but that's, it's also because they have the nicest facilities. Right. Like there's just so much to it. All right. And I feel like a little spoiled as a fan sometimes where I'm like, I want JMU to be good at every sport. But like, I kind of really want them to lean into the Sun Belt thing, which to me is football, baseball, softball, are like things that the Sun Belt seems to really care about and win basketball every year. I mean, I want them to win basketball. <laughs> I just don't think the Sun Belt necessarily is like a basketball focused type of yeah. schools. But that's one that's like that, and like women's lacrosse, and the other ones like JMU can be the best athletic department in the Sun Belt, but you can't like whiff on baseball to do that. Yeah. And they've whiffed on baseball since 2015. One more quick break. This time it's a message from our friends over at Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that's top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to start your day right. Don't even know what an aptogen is, but I think it's good for you if it's in Athletic Greens. Their special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, helps your energy, helps recovery, helps focus and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar, no chemicals, no artificial anything. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's athleticgreens.com slash B-L-E-A-V. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. And let's get back to the podcast. Um, Peter Mooney, 09. Can we do a sport-by-sport breakdown on if the move to the Sun Belt or other new conference is an upgrade, neutral, or downgrade compared to the CAA? We've definitely done something like this before. So I think we'll do a quick one and then it makes maybe more sense to do a longer form like article on it maybe. Yeah. Which maybe I'll sign myself up for that. <laughs> maybe but, we can um, split the difference and like do half. If it's yeah, too, too long. We, yeah. I love it when we let's plan do, articles on the podcast. I'll roll through the names here and you just tell me your initial thought. All right. I'll do the men's. We'll do the men's sports first. Perfect. Baseball. Upgrade. Agreed. Basketball. Neutral. I would agree. Slight yeah. downgrade, maybe. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's pretty pretty similar. Football, upgrade, big time. I would I would say so. Golf, uh, NA. I don't know. Same. I think I want to say they're like slight upgrades, just because you have more teams in the South that have like the ability to play year round. So I think they're slightly more competitive, if I'm not mistaken. Like any league with Coastal Carolina and golf feels like it's improvement. So um soccer men's um, soccer that new sunbelt yeah. <laughs> conference is freaking amazing yeah so that's a huge upgrade that's like one of the two or three best conferences maybe in the country uh tennis i don't i don't know a ton on that incomplete i don't know enough i would guess maybe a slight improvement just some of the weather again there but i'd guess i, I would guess for the uh those types of sports Sunbelt is, if anything, an upgrade because, yeah, the Southern teams typically have better tennis and golf programs. Yeah. Women's basketball. Uh, Neutral. I think that's pretty neutral as well, yeah. They did – I don't know if we'll get into this much later. They did take um, a prominent assistant coach from Troy, a little coaching staff shakeup for Coach O and the Dukes, which I think is interesting to track. He's trying to really improve and have someone bring some new ideas. I think it's Neil Harrow. Needed. Yeah, is coming in there. So excited about that addition because he um, has been in the Sun Belt for like seven years. So I imagine has some recruiting relationships as well. Uh, cross country. I have no earthly. I'm clue. not even going to pretend to know. Um, field hockey. Um, I would. I would say new, they don't probably a downgrade actually because Delaware is a national champion and like the CA had a pretty solid field. Well, hockey they don't. Conference. They don't have a league yet because they don't have. Sun oh, they didn't. I thought they hockey. went Big East. They went independent for a year. I don't think they've actually announced. Uh, oh. So I would say probably a downgrade right now because they yeah. don't have a, they got kind of screwed on this, at least currently. Like the independent is not great because you don't have an automatic berth to the really tiny field of the yeah. NCAA tournament. So field hockey currently is in a tough spot. Um, women's golf, I think, is an improvement. Sure. Lacrosse. Ask Tommy Baker, man. He, said, he seemed pretty excited about the Sunbelt when we talked. Okay, so, so then we'll, set, we'll upgrade. Um, lacrosse to the American athletic conference. Fantastic upgrade. Just getting Florida in the league alone is like constantly yeah. a top 10 team. So that's a good one. Uh, women's soccer. Are they moving in with the men's? Is it the same? I don't conference? think it's the same like built thing. I think they might've already had women's soccer. Okay. So I think, I don't really know the difference there to neutral. be honest with you, but probably pretty neutral softball upgrade. Yeah. Swim and dive. I don't think is yet to announce a new league. So I think that one would be currently a downgrade if they're seeking a conference. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, kind of a tough spot for them to be in right now. Uh, women's tennis, uh, I don't know. I'm going to say upgrade based off the same logic we used for men's tennis. And then last two, track and field. No idea. And I'm no not earthly clue. Um, and then volleyball, I have not looked at Sunbelt Volleyball much. So I, I really don't know on that. But, I don't really know either. I can't imagine like the CA wasn't like sending like five teams into the thing. So I can't imagine it's drastically different. I would say neutral. Yeah. If anything, a slight downgrade maybe because the CA would have like the second place team be on the bubble mm-hmm. and then would make like a random other postseason volleyball comp t- tournament. Right. 
so yeah, I mean, I think it's um, a pretty massive benefit to like most of the, I don't think anyone's like, oh, wow, that's a downgrade. Yeah. And I also would say from an economics perspective, from a revenue sport perspective, yeah, this is massive, massive, massive. And it turns baseball and softball, not saying they're going to turn it around so much that they become like these huge cash cows, because that's just not how it works. But like, it adds the Valley cares about baseball and sophomore softball more than it does basketball. And it puts new life into baseball and softball. It brings basketball where it can become actually a consistent winner of the Sun Belt and a consistent birth in the NCAA tournament, because at JMU's level, you don't want to go to the big East. You don't want to go to the American and flounder. You want to go to another mid-major conference where you have the ability to win. And that's what the Sun Belt is. And they are postseason eligible next year. So they're right back into it. So overall, for the revenue sports, this is fantastic. For sports that the Valley cares about, this is fantastic. For field hockey, that grades NA because we don't know where they're going to go. Swim and dive, that grades an NA because we don't know where they're going to go. But overall, this is a great upgrade. It feels like it just raises the ceiling a lot, right? It raises the bar. Yeah, where like you can, like (laughs) baseball, I feel like. Is, do they use that as a slogan? Yeah, they oh, did God. that for like two seasons I ago. Totally like on all their graphics, so, it was raise the bar or something like that. So annoying. Um, but it like it really, I feel like the ceiling's a lot higher, and like baseball can yeah. become like this, maybe a bigger thing. Softball can even grow more. All of them, I just like football can grow. Everything can can kind of grow in the Sun Belt. So I think that's something the CA was not helping with. There was a follow-up to this that was asking about like- um, Average attendance. I was about to ask some context on the, this is from the sidelines, JMU yeah. account. Uh, context on the average attendance for higher profile sports in the Sun Belt. Um, I think that'll be included in our longer form article that I we think do. that's, yeah. And we talked about a little bit with football. They're near kind of the bottom of, in terms of capacity. But I think for most of the sports, they are pretty average in terms of average attendance despite being a little yeah. bit lower in capacity. Yeah. So I think that'll be one that, that takes more time than a podcast to actually dive into. Yeah. Awesome. So that's all the questions we had. I'm not sure what, what time we're at or we're at running. Cause I forgot to hit mm-hmm. my stopwatch. Um, talked a little, we already went baseball fire. I question mark general assessment of the season. We did all of that. Um, lacrosse. We can, we can talk a little softball here. We didn't talk much softball. So we'll go softball lacrosse. And then we'll hit with some quick basketball things. So softball, a little bit of a disappointing season. But if you had listened to the Jamie Sports News podcast preseason, um, you would have known that this was coming. I kind of thought, yeah, like making the NCAAs would be like a really good season for him. I listened to an interview with Lauren Laporte the other day, and she was like <laughs> pretty harsh, I thought, <laughs> on like their their team where she was kind of kind of roasting him a little bit. Not like individuals or anything like that, but she was talking about how they play like a kind of a bad, I think it was called a Charleston team and they lost the first game in the series and smoked them in the last two. And she's like, I have no idea why we would go like into a Friday game without any energy or any like emotion or anything. So we talked to him for a long time. It sounds like she's been a little bit frustrated with some of the, the freshmen in terms of, I don't want to say their readiness to play, but just maybe like how they're adjusting. And I think that she knows it's a learning curve and taking time. I think the one thing that's interesting is there's like JMU fans have this idea that like, well, they'll figure it out. Like they're going to all become stars. And it's like, well, the competition is going to increase in the Sun Belt, and they'll play a tough non-conference. You can't just count on the freshmen becoming stars because they've had freshmen before who like looked the part of stars and then continued to develop. Make it good. Odyssey Alexander. Yeah. They like Odyssey Alexander didn't show up as a freshman and like do nothing and then become a star. Like she was pretty evident early that she was good. Like Megan Good was going toe to toe with LSU in a super regional as a freshman. So I think that's what's interesting is for me is how do they move forward with recruiting? Uh, they probably need to add an arm, I would think, through the portal, unless they have someone coming and recruiting that I think maybe they're excited about because they flipped a Georgia commit. But I think the Georgia commit was in the class of 2023. So I want to say she wouldn't actually be at JMU until 2024. So I that might be two seasons from now. So something to keep an eye on there, but I think pitching, they probably need to add some stuff. And then the big thing is going to be some of the, like the decisions of the upperclassmen, like Hannah Shiflett's a red shirt junior who was non-committal in an interview with Dave Rigard about coming back for another season. Um, she could also potentially transfer if she wanted to. 
Sarajubis. So, yeah, so we'll see what happens there in terms of whether she comes back. She's hitting 400. She's the only player on the team with double-digit home runs, and she has 14. So, like, it would be cool if she came back. She's really good. I think they would benefit from that. But then, like, Jasmine Hall as a freshman has been good. There's some players who have talent, and I think they'll be better next year. Yeah. But they they still need to make significant strides in terms of development and then maybe even adding some players recruiting in portal. They've got room to to grow because I don't think it's just like, oh, they rebuild and then next year they're great again. Like I they got some some building still left to do. Yeah. 100 percent So we'll see what happens. They only have like 12 games left. Um, so they got that going for them. The other thing that's interesting is Virginia Tech's like a top five team and UVA is like very competent now. So the recruiting is going to be harder. Liberty's always been good. But now you've got like multiple in-state programs that are really, really good. So I think maybe gone are the days of, of finding every unheralded gem when you've got so many teams that are going to be recruiting Virginia looking for stars. So, yeah, you might not be getting a Megan Good again or an Odyssey Alexander again. Yeah, it's like maybe At least someone easily. I think they might pick up a little bit on it more, especially after seeing what JMU's done. Those in-state teams are probably going to give pretty thorough looks at volleyball at players. those players. Yeah, so they take volleyball any volleyball player. player you can exactly. So that'll be interesting. And uh, lacrosse, lacrosse looks like they could uh, make some noise in May. Yeah, if you haven't been following along with the lacrosse season, you're probably I, I wouldn't say shocked, but they put on this three-game winning streak in mid-March, taking down mm-hmm. number 19, Richmond, number 14, Virginia, number three, Maryland, um, and then going to, uh, hosting Towson and winning that game as well. So a nice little four-game winning streak because Towson's typically, you know, not always a ranked team, but a solid RPI, and I, I, I might be making a liar out of myself by saying that, and they might be having a terrible season. I'm I not think they're not as good this year, but so they're perfect. His, so historically, exactly. historically pretty solid. But a solid couple of wins – um, that really catapulted them up the standings, catapulted them into the at-large conversation. And here they are sitting at, what are they? 11 and four, four and zero in conference, but that doesn't really matter. Better away record than they have home record. But with all that being said, are they going to make the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I'd be very shocked if they didn't at this point. RPI is like 10th nationally games against Delaware and Drexel. They should win both of those, but even if maybe it would drop one somehow. I still think they're in to, a lock to get in. I think they might be able to potentially host early if they win the next two and win out with a 10 game winning streak. The win over Maryland is huge, huge. But even First UV, time they've ever won in college park. And the ones over Richmond and Virginia hold some pretty good weight too. And there's even a couple others. Like I think UConn's come on pretty strong since they beat them in February. UConn so was one, 23rd when they won. They also beat Ohio state 15 to four. Ohio state's not a great team, but a better RPI than what they're doing to CAA teams. Yeah, so they've they've got a good resume. So I'm excited to see what they can do. And, and maybe more excitingly, they're just playing really well. And they look like a team that could could win some games. So nice to see one of the teams in the spring, um, you know, have a chance to play in the postseason. Yeah, JMU currently 10th in the standings. UConn is 14th. So yeah. UConn has stormed up the polls. UConn is 11-2 and two overall. One of those losses being to JMU. So big time stuff. Maryland is their only loss to Maryland's JMU fifth right now. Only loss was to JMU. They're seven and zero on the road, six and one at home. In case you that's, care about road and home splits, that's a big time, big time dub. That's uh, what you would call a quadrant one win if we were in basketball. Exactly right. And speaking of basketball, Jack, women's basketball. Excited to see what happens. I think they still have one coaching job that they're trying to fill. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And Jack will do it. I'll do Sean, it. Sean O'Regan, if you're listening, Jack will uh, be your assistant coach to bring new ideas, which might just be like, slow down. Um, no, my idea would be pass the ball. And then we're going to play 2K during practice. And that's how we're going to get all of our game film done. That's actually pretty smart. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> men's team was kind of in the mix for some recruits and transfers that didn't quite turn out the way they had hoped. So they're still looking. I think they have like four open roster spots or something. Who has transferred out? Who has transferred out? All three of the freshmen and Jalen Hodge. So they lost uh, Devin Savage, Jalen Stinson, Andrew McConnell, Jalen Hodge, Charles Fallen graduated. So looking to, looking to add some size and some beef. I think they still need a big guy. If they could get one and mix for some of them. 
So we'll see what happens there. I also think they could use a shooter because Fallen and Hodge were two of your best three-point shooters. Yes, I think what you should be targeting is someone who is large enough to play the five so you don't have to stick uh, Amadi there anymore. And shooters, please, because you have you have slashers covered. Yes. You got Molson, you got Amadi, you got Wooden. Although Wooden can spot up and take a couple longer shots, not necessarily threes. He's more of a mid-range guy. But you have your mid-range covered. You have in, you have inside, you have the mid-range. Get me two shooters, get me a 6-9-2-25 guy. I'm not asking for a lot. It's not also kind of interesting to, to look at like Byington's comments because he's talked to Shane Metlin of the DNR a few times. And he talked about how he wanted guys who were like 230, 240 in the post, like more size, not necessarily height. But I think he's bringing in, or at least there's been some rumors about him, you know, having these leaders forwards transfer in who weigh like a buck 90. So I don't, I don't know what he's saying and what he actually means, but we need some guys who can rebound and maybe block some shots and then shoot threes. If there's a seven footer out there who's like 260 <laughs> and moves like LeBron and shoots like Steph Curry or like a Kevin Durant type, that would be big. That would be huge. Also, Can you imagine Kevin Durant at his current peak right now <laughs> playing in the Sun Belt. He would be a, a weapon. I had a point. Where was I going with this? Oh, man. What do you think about the, the size thing where he's just trying to get big boys instead of, instead of height? I think it's stupid. <laughs> you don't like it. No, here's here's what I was going to say. It worries me how much she talks about the freshman that's coming in that's going that's playing like a 4 <laughs> 5 like and that how he's like I expect him to contribute right away. That scares me that he thinks that this high schooler right now can come in and play in the Sun Belt. Not a great conference, but can play in the Sun Belt. And I'm worried that in his mind he's like we don't have to target any transfers. <laughs> we have a freshman he's worries got, the mess out of me i was also interested is like he's talking about guys being 240 like does he expect sule and amadi to gain like 20 pounds we're we gonna see like a just a bulked up amadi that'd be kind of scary if he kept the explosiveness but <laughs> i don't know like what what he's shack expecting from like weight it's it's gonna be interesting to see how he puts the roster together because to me that's really the only thing they haven't done that they, well they also like with the current roster makeup could play a solid small ball lineup with Sule at the five or even wooden at the five because wouldn't your tallest player at six eight which i think is giving him a few inches but the thing is is you can't play small ball with all slashing guards and that lineup forwards. would shoot like 20 percent. yeah three. like you yeah. need <laughs> to have you would need to have like two chucks right shooting and then you could have to call at the three and then, you know, Wooden at the four and Amadi at the five and then Sule off the bench. To, like that would be your small ball lineup and Wooden would need to shoot well. But you're right. sitting here now with zero shooters on your team, no height. And you want to play a small ball lineup that's going to focus on to call Molson, who's like a 25 percent three point shooter. This isn't going to work, Byington. I I'm no coach and I'm not saying I'm a good coach because I've never coached basketball in my life nor have I ever played it at an organized level more than parks and rec. So I'm, I don't know a lot, but I know one thing in basketball is you need size and we don't have that. Shooting is huge, right? So if they get some shooting, I feel I don't, like I'd rather have size than shooting at this point though, I think because that, then you could play yeah. a larger lineup and get away with having to call at the three or two, which isn't his natural position. That'd be a huge lineup if he's at the two, but like, I would do. prefer size than I would shooting right now. I think that's actually a fair point. Cause if they get some, some size and you could have a defensive lineup that isn't horrible defending the two and maybe block shots, your defensive metrics go way up and you still have the guards who create steals. Then it's like, all right, at least we have a base on defense. That's good. And then we can kind of piece it together. Cause like Votto yeah. could go off for 60% from three at one game. So like you have he, shooting there. He's 50%. a huge, yeah, he really helps. Cause he can, he can fill it up. And then you've got like Ian Acho and Edwards are like capable of doing things offensively. It's just like not necessarily from the three point line. So that's where probably need at least one guy who can shoot it. Although I do think to, and maybe they're putting a lot of pressure. Darrell Roberson, that incoming freshman is like six, nine. He can block shots and he actually shoots the three really well. How so bad, like how much weight does he have on him? One one twenty. He's probably around two hundred pounds. So he's a little okay. lengthier. 
than maybe you're looking for, but he's, he's one that adds some interesting stuff there and wouldn't at the end of the year, was shooting the three pretty well. So maybe you get something there, but they only took him 50 games to warm up. It would be nice to have a guy. It would be be nice to have a guy like Falden who was just so consistent from three. So if they get a three point shooter, a little size, they got four spots open. And also like, I don't want to see guys playing out of position anymore. Like wooden shouldn't be asked to shoot four threes a game, maybe yes. one or two, and then keep them working inside. Like, I don't want to see Amadi at the five. He's an explosive four. <laughs> I agree with you. Like, I ah. think they, they need a guy who can handle that, that down low. If they can do that, that'd be awesome. Mark Byington, as great as a mid-major coach as he is, he's not Hubert Davis. They can't be running UNC's positionless basketball because they don't have a Brady Manic and an Armando Baycott. Right. They Yeah, they got to add something that is like, oh, wow, this guy's a dynamic force because they have a couple guys at the guard spot who are really good. It's like if you could add some size and maybe one dude who can shoot. The issue with Jalen Hodge when he was on the team is that they I don't think they trusted him necessarily in their defensive scheme as much. So his minutes got limited. Like he never struggled shooting the ball. The guy could shoot. Who is it? Jalen Hodge? Hodge. Yeah. It was yeah. just a, a matter of like, I think they liked the other guys more on defense, which is why he didn't uh, play as much at the end of the season. But if you can get someone who can go in kind of like a fall, then shoot the ball. I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens because I think you have to be in the portal by May 1st. And then I don't know what the deadline is to get the guys, but I imagine he's going to start wanting to get his roster figured out here soon. Yeah, please. Please. Yeah. Because you can you can contend for Sunbelt titles right away. Like like right away. Maybe it's both because we just love college basketball, but like that's one that I want the men's and the women's team. Like, come on. Like you should be dominating that league. So ah, okay. Yeah. Ah. All right. Anything else you need to add? Any uh plugs, anything like that? Yeah, that's it. We got the uh spring game on Saturday. So I guess we'll see what the takeaways are there. But I think football is gonna ramp up more when when we get actually into fall camp and people are healthy. We probably should have a podcast next week early breaking down the spring game. Yeah. Um, so we'll have a podcast next week discussing the spring game, talking about the quarterback battle. So if you have any questions post spring game, get us, get them into us. We'll probably record Monday or Tuesday earlier next week. So the spring game is still fresh in our mind, despite not being able to watch it. Um, and Bennett is all torn up about that. He really yeah. wanted to get the all 22 view of 15 minute paths and then scrimmaging drills so for bennett conlin my name is jack fitzpatrick thank you so much for tuning in to the jmu sports news podcast have a wonderful rest of your day talk to you next week see ya For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.